the Summer State Studios, behind the mask hockey shops, presented College Hockey West Live for October 4th, 2022. Tonight's scheduled guest, the Executive Director of College Hockey Inc., Mike Snead. Behind the Masks, College Hockey West Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, and you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com, whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza, whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. AT&T Wireless, with high-speed 5G data at no extra cost. Liberty University, play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer skates, whether our original red or new black shower shoes, show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by Drury Inns and Suites. Travel happy again. Book your next stay at DruryHotels.com or at 1-800-DRURY-INN. College Hockey West Live from the Summer Skate Studios presented by Behind the Mask is a part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. It's Tuesday night, which means it's time for College Hockey West Live. Scott Strandy with you tonight from Denver, Colorado, as we're just three days away from the start of the Icebreaker Tournament being held at uh, Magnus Arena and, uh, of course, the Cadet Ice Arena at uh, Colorado Springs and the Air Force Academy. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York. It's probably really beautiful today because I saw there was a storm headed your way. Uh, and still here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, it's been two days. I can't you want to go into a rendition the, of raindrops keep falling on my head or anything like that? I, I can't deal. The, the, I can't. <laughs> the dampness just I can't deal with. The, the the humidity doesn't bother me. The dampness and this kind of it makes everything hurt. I think you're just getting old. I think that's it, the whole deal. Well, that's a given. I am old. I mean, we know that. <laughs> uh, as I said in the open, uh, this is... Uh, Icebreaker week. It's a big, a big deal for Colorado because this is the first time that uh, did you two say schools... it in the open? Huh? Did you say this in the open? Because yeah, I, I, I said the three days for the icebreaker. Okay, anyway. I don't listen to you. So I know you don't listen to me. So other people heard it and they're all excited. And okay, you know, tonight we, I thought I'd reach out and see if we could get somebody from College Hockey Inc. who was the big presenter of this, and uh, I reached out and. Lo and behold, we have Mike Snee coming on in about uh, 25 minutes or so, 20 minutes. Really? And uh, Mike Snee, the executive director of College Hockey, Inc. So he'll fill us in on the icebreaker, as I started to say before you interrupted me, <laughs> was that the uh, the event this year for the first time is being split. 
uh, Denver as a host and Air Force right. as a host. So the uh, two visiting teams, Maine and uh, Notre Dame, will switch places. Maine will start at Air Force and come to Denver on Saturday night, and uh, Notre Dame will start in Denver and go to Air Force Saturday night, which is unique. Um, next year it's going to be Bemidji and uh, UND that are going to do the same roughly uh, format, I guess, Friday and Saturday night. They'll flip-flop. Right. And the other thing that I, I guess I knew but I would forgotten about, Paul, was that uh, the icebreaker has to involve teams from four different conferences. Can't be two from the same conference. Okay. So a lot of a lot of people have asked me, they say, well, why not CC? Why wouldn't CC be in it? Well, if CC's in That's it, Denver's why. out. Well, that would answer that question now, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So uh, earlier today, we had all four coaches on. Um, right on a zoom call right. I got an opportunity to sit in on it and ask a few questions okay so uh, right. what I'm thinking is uh, after a bit we'll uh, or in a few minutes we'll uh, play some comments from the two local teams um, and maybe we'll sneak in Jeff Jackson because that's what we do and then uh, when we get to the bottom of the hour or roughly as uh, you know whatever it is 825 Eastern right. time Right. We'll bring well, on Mike Snee, who's, well, who's a busy learn, man. Still haven't learned your time zones, but you know. Hey. No, neither um, of you. So. <laughs> no, well, not when you screw them up. So, um, the question I have for you is, and this is the most important question, is yeah, how, how is the czar? Uh, he was better. He said that he okay. spent four days in the hospital. Uh, he looked better. He was the same uh, as you'll hear. I'll play that part of it. He he got me good. <laughs> uh, you'll you'll get it right off the get go. Um, he he talked about being uh, a senior citizen and trying to do Zoom on his own. He got it down. He got it. Right. He got it figured out. So uh, yeah, he. I'm glad to see that he's back. He missed the game. Uh, obviously, being in the hospital last weekend. So uh, he said the only thing he didn't worry about when he was in the hospital was his hockey team, because he knew that Joe Doyle and Andy Berg and um, their hockey ops guy who went. His name is escaping me at the moment. Um, would handle it, and uh, they handled it, but they didn't win. And uh, Frank didn't uh, really put it on the coaching staff. He didn't really say much about it at all today. Uh, I did ask surprised. him about his goaltenders, um, right. and he said he's waiting for somebody to emerge, and he hopes that somebody will emerge, as uh, you would expect. So, anyway, let's uh, let's play a couple of clips here. Give me uh, some patience, guys. I just got this queued up, so. Um, I will try to get it in the right spots, and, and, and when I'm going in between, I'll have Paul chatter away because everybody loves Paul's chatter. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is David Carl. I was on mute, uh, or I'm not mute, but I was a little quiet. should have been. So I had to fix it, but, but here's David, uh, and I asked him a question about last weekend's uh, exhibition against UNLV and how that prepared him for this weekend. So I think we got David here in just a second. That's my muffled voice, folks. If you uh, if you can hear that, wow. David will acknowledge it and then answer. Um, Scott, just heads up, I can hardly hear you, but I think I got the question. Um, what do we take away from the UNLV game? I think, um, again, it was just good to get live reps against um, someone other than ourselves. And um, it was good to see some, some other people score, you know, not named Rizzo. 
or Dornbach or Rose or Thompson, um, you know, four guys that we expect to do some things. And for Carter King to have a really productive night, Jack Devine, um, Lorenz scores, Wright scores, Haskins scores, um, just for some young people um, to get a little bit of confidence going into this week of practice and into this weekend's games, I think is a really good thing. And then, Again, we just we need reps and repetition of trying to get on the same page with our puck pressure game um, and our our puck support spacing, you know, on the ice. And so to be able to do that in live reps was nice to be able to get that accomplished. Okay, my follow up to that is last year you played on the road quite a bit, and uh, early in the year anyway. And this year you're you're at home and you have this unique scenario. How important is that to you this year? Yeah, I think uh, we do, you know, we're definitely more home heavy um, this year, early and throughout the year. Um, you know, I think it's great to be able to play in front of our fans and um, you know play at Magnus and you know with again kind of that younger forward group. The advantage to that is being able to have last change on a number of occasions um, to try and get matchups and to put them into positions to have success. So um, definitely something we've thought about and considered. Um, you know, going forward into the into the season here. Thanks, David. See you this weekend. All right. So that's the uh, first listen to uh, to uh, head coach David Carl of the uh, Denver Pioneers. Paul, your thoughts? It's the first time you've heard it. Well, listen. I mean, we knew what the 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 the, the idea was behind the exhibition game with UNLV. Uh, you know, on, on in, in, in one bucket, you know, they're trying to get their young guys a chance to play and give guys a chance to play and get used to playing with each other at the other time. You know, on the other side, the other bucket, they're, you know, uh, trying to help showcase UNLV and so forth and so on as uh, they make their efforts to forge forward. And, and you know, I'm sure – that you know that that uh, they like the fact that that what did they have like eight or nine different goal scorers in that game, so uh, it, it didn't all go to one guy. And we know his team will be ready, and you know you get two games against you know one arguably a top ten team, and the, and the other. You know, team trying to rebound. So you get a couple of different scenarios for your team in the first weekend of the season um, to see how your team handles both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you totally. I'm uh, trying to uh, get queued up here as we go. So if you hear a little something right. on the fly, I apologize, well, guys. What do, we, what do we have next? Uh, we're going to go to Frank Saratori. And uh, okay. and discuss that. So, if you want to talk a little bit about his uh, exhibit or his exhibition game with Eric yeah. against uh, Colorado College, I will try to cue it up for you in just a minute. Well, I I would be shocked if um if he was going to be happy with the game. I mean, I don't know if you anybody asked him about it. I assume that somebody did. Well, I mean, you basically when I mean somebody, but um. You know, uh, they got a chance to learn some lessons, too. Um, and we're just glad and happy that the, the coach is doing better. 
So hopefully. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to get it queued up here. Every time I touch it, I do, I do something wrong, but that's nothing new. Well, so that's that's hang not, in there that for another minute. New. I hang in there. Um, I know. I think it it'll be an interesting weekend for them too to play a team like Notre Dame, which is more of a similar blueprint and style. Play defense first, or more defensive style. I and I hate making it sound like when I say defense first that Denver doesn't play defense because they obviously do. Um, it's just that when you have the kind of firepower that they do, that you don't necessarily have to be a little bit more uh, focused on it as other teams do because they have so much talent. Um. You know, I, I'm kind of surprised that I, I think you said it before we get into this year, that there might be an open competition for the goaltending spot, I guess. Uh, he would know better than I would, but I still would be surprised. And we'll see what happens because, uh, you know, we all assumed, and I don't I guess we shouldn't have that. Guy Blessing would be the relatively yeah. unquestioned number one. Uh, yeah, don't say that yet because uh, we'll get into Frank here in just a minute. I'm ready to go. So you want to hear Frank's territory? First of all, he's going to light me up. and then uh, uh, As he should. And then after that, he'll uh, he'll actually talk some hockey. But uh, you can tell he's feeling better when he can get after me just like that. Yeah, I do when I don't feel well. question at all. Okay, we're going to play this one too. This is uh, uh, Larry from uh, Maine asking uh, Frank about that, so let's play that a minute. Our philosophy here is to do what we do and do it well. Now, are we going to look at some film on Maine? We're going to, yeah, we're going to try to and get maybe a, uh, try to get a, a little bit of information on, on their forecheck and, and their special teams and that type of thing. You know, but, you know, 90% of our game plan every weekend is, is is doing what we do to the best of our abilities, maximize our potential in the, within the framework of, you know, how we play our game. So we're not uh, we're not overly concerned with, with putting a lot of uh, time in on, on Maine right now. The biggest thing is, is us going out and doing what we do. And if we do what we do well... Um, Teams, uh, that those types of caliber teams, obviously, 
uh, Air Force and, and, and Maine have got to still have some uh, have to have to prove themselves. And uh, but uh, uh, Denver doesn't have anything to prove other other than to back up, uh, double down, and back up what they did last year. And of course, Notre Dame. Jeff Jackson has that team every year. Has that team in the hunt as a top ten program. Uh, quick follow-up to that. If again, I saw you guys on the ice and had a chance to visit your captains last week, and um, their confidence—I call it quiet confidence—but boy, they—they're—they're uh, they're excited to get things rolling. Have you seen a difference in the entire roster this year? Well, just the maturity. I mean, like I said last year, we were more boy than man. This year, we're more man than boy. I mean, uh, I asked—I checked with our equipment manager to make sure that the uh, their t-shirts hadn't shrunk in the wash, and he assured <laughs> me they hadn't. Uh, but. Uh, no, uh, we're we're a lot different, and also uh, we're deeper. Last year we didn't have uh, we had four lines and not much more, and we had six defensemen and not much more. Uh, we've got a little bit more than that. We've got a couple uh, guys out with injuries right now, and uh, so that added depth is already uh, uh, paying dividends for us. Thanks, coach. See you this weekend. Thanks, Scotty. We're now So uh, there you go. Frank Saratori, uh, he's ready and uh, can't argue with him. And delivers only as Frank can deliver, correct? Yeah, well, I can't argue. How, how do you argue <laughs> with him? I mean, you're he's got you more men muted? than boys now, Paul. No, no, well, I meant about you being muted. muted. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Can't, yeah. It's hard to he, argue. Took him a while to figure that one out, but he figured it out and got me. So, well, because he's yeah. smarter than Congratulations, we are. Congratulations, coach. Um, I like to comment too about checking with the equipment guy to see if the t-shirts are shrunk. <laughs> yeah, Only I mean, come up with that one. <laughs> well, he's not the czar for no reason. Uh, absolutely. I did get another question in there, but I don't know if I dare even try to, to cue uh, it up. We got seven minutes till we go to to Mike Sneed. You want me to give it a shot? See what I can come up with. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I I mean, maybe we we got to. I mean, we. One of the other coaches. I mean, we got. Um, well, don't don't put me on the spot. I only got seven minutes, but uh, okay. I think well, listen, listen, uh, listen. Take just it away play, for a second. Let me see if I can play, get to the spot. Well, if I, forget it. Just play Frank because what well, can you never have enough czar? So well, his phone is ringing for the starters. Well, you know, I can hear it. I know you understand entertainment and sports and the merger of those two. You know, bringing in Notre Dame. You know, having that name above the marquee. You know, what's the value in that for bringing that to the Air Force Academy for a night? Well, it, it, it's invaluable. And, and uh, you know how I operate. Uh, like, it, as far as, like, if we want to sell season tickets, we want people to be interested. We need to have more on our uh, on our schedule than just Atlantic teams. Uh, hey, Army Army's a great team to have on, your, on our schedule, and Air Force is a great team to have on Army's schedule. But if that's your marquee opponent, your schedule's not good enough. And, uh, and that's why... Uh, having Notre, a team like Notre Dame coming in, hey, having Maine come in, Maine's a is a is, in collegiate hockey is a is a is a big name program. Uh, uh, having uh, Colorado College, uh, uh, we're playing playing Arizona State, uh, Denver. You know, having those having having uh, schools like that uh, on your schedule matters. If you if you want to maximize uh, your season ticket sales, uh, maximize interest in your program. Uh, you got to play somebody, and uh, and are these tough games? Are they tough opponents? You're darn right. Uh, but one thing I learned a long time ago: you can't beat them if you don't play them. <laughs> okay. And uh, are you in fact feeling better? And uh, 
know, what what was that like to miss a you know big exhibition? And then what do you think the impact of you know your absence might have on the team? Well, I can tell you right now, my coaching staff is fantastic. Uh, Joe Doyle is the best coach I ever worked with. Andy Berg is in what he does recruiting wise and coaching. We have a, a, a young uh, director of hockey that uh, is helping us out named Josh Holmes from a local boy. Uh, uh, I was in the hospital for four nights and I can tell you, I worried a lot about a lot of things while I was in the, in the hospital. The one thing I didn't worry about, I didn't worry about Air Force hockey because I knew Air Force hockey was in great hands with my boys. Cool. All right. Well, good to have you back. Any more questions for coach? Again, you can put raise your hand or put your uh, name in the chat. Coach, I guess one for me, what are you looking forward to, I guess, overall in the season? You talk about the matchups you guys are playing, but just general thoughts on what you're looking forward to this season for the Falcons. Well, I, you know, what I look forward to every year, I look forward to the journey because it is a journey. And, uh, and we're here at Air Force, like we, we – we don't, we're the sum of our parts. We, we don't win because we have a, a collection of NHL draft choices. Uh, when we're good, we're generally, we're deep and we're old and we're experienced. And uh, people ask me every year, how is it that you guys are always playing your best hockey at the right time of the year? Like it's some secret formula or anything. And I don't have any secret formula. All I can tell you is we have a collection of, of, of good players and uh, it, it, that ultimately, when things go well, they ultimately become great collectively. We become a great team at the end of the year. Uh, like I said, it's it's not about having great individuals. We're not going to throw a bunch of a collection of great individual talent on the ice this weekend. If we have success this weekend, it's going to be because because we've been good to very good to great collectively. And uh, and, and uh, we are when it gets right down to it, we we are the ultimate team. And like I said. Uh, our goal every year is to be the team in February and March that that nobody wants to meet in the playoffs. And uh, uh, we, you know, I I believe we're the ultimate team. I believe we're America's team, and uh, uh, it, it, that's how we roll. Okay, you heard how Frank rolls. <laughs> is there anybody that rolls better? No, absolutely no. not. There is nobody and, that rolls better. Let's uh, and, let's. Let's do this, Paul. You uh, you give your summary while I uh, go on mute here for a minute and connect with Mike Snee, and we'll come right back with him. All right. Well, you want to take the break first, or what do you want to do? Uh, no, I got to get Mike now. We're running out of time. so. Okay. Well, listen, uh, Frank hit it right on the nose uh, earlier in the comments about um, bringing in uh, opponents. Um you know, and you, but you also have to get the guys on the other end to agree to do it. And we talked about it uh, a couple of times this past weekend. Uh, for example, Ohio State uh, traveling to play Mercyhurst, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania. Good for they, you know, Ohio State doesn't have to do that. They're the brand name. All right. I mean, not in terms of the fact that. I mean, they. They're, All right, Paul. Know, I, I think I've got uh, I've got Mike you? with us. Uh, it's All it's right. it's a pleasure for us to welcome in the executive director of uh, College Hockey Inc., Mike Snead tonight. So, Mike, you got Scott and Paul with you. First of all, how are you, and how are things in Minneapolis? I just left there two days ago. 
Uh, things are really good. I'm actually in the parking lot of Parade Ice Garden and Arena in Minneapolis. Uh, I have the, the wonderful distinction of being the Pee Wee Director for the Minneapolis Youth Hockey Association, and we have our evaluations tonight. So I snuck out to my car to, uh, to uh, talk some hockey with you guys. So that's how things are going here in Minneapolis. Man, absolutely love it. We, uh, we love it. I was up and saw the Gophers in Lindenwood's uh, college hockey history with Lindenwood making the jump. And then I went up uh, Sunday and saw Arizona State and Minnesota Duluth. And uh, it was our first game of the week. And um, who would have thunk it, Mike, uh, seven years ago, Arizona State, UMD being a feature game? Well, it absolutely it was. And who would have thunk, you know, Lindenwood uh, <laughs> would have Division One hockey and then play as well as they did. Now, I know there are no moral victories in uh, big-time college athletics, but I was so impressed with how Lindenwood played against a great Minnesota team. And uh, and they, they can use the team that was up. 35 Arizona State is, is a pretty good uh, motivation for how quickly you can really become an impactful NCAA program. So um, uh, I didn't know you were here. I sneak around. I sneak around. I, I'm an UMD alum, and that was the first time I've had a chance, Mike, to actually see Amsoil. So a uh, big thank you to uh, Scott Sandlin for showing me around. Um, what a beautiful building. But we'll get to that in a minute. Before we get into that, uh, tell everybody listening, Mike, uh, what College Hockey Inc. does, because I got a story to tell you about somebody that did not know, and I said, shame on you. Okay. Well, um, I will say that there are a lot of people that don't know. I do think we are more of a behind-the-scenes organization than we are a, a front of the curtain or, or however you'd want to say it, uh, but we're a three-person nonprofit. We started in 2010, um, and we uh, were uh, we. As a nonprofit, we work off of a couple of grants that we received through the NHL, USA Hockey, and some support. And in essence, I would say we, uh, in many different ways, try to grow college hockey. We try to ensure that a young aspiring player's perception of college hockey is as good as it, as it is, that, um, that they realize that playing college hockey can allow them to reach their full potential as a hockey player, which might be the NHL, but if it's not the NHL, um, that will allow them to reach that potential as a hockey player, yet still be able to not put their studies behind and not put their preparation for life off the ice um, behind. And hockey is a different sport, at least in terms of the, the amateur development model, than it is maybe in the other more uh, in the other traditional American sports, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it might be, where there is very much this idea that the collegiate model is how you do it for a variety of reasons. There are some in hockey that don't quite yet realize that college hockey is as wonderful as college basketball, college football is, and so on. So that's part of it, is educating that young aspiring player. Uh, but another piece, and, and I, I don't know if people think about this a lot, but when you say it to them, uh, it's a bit of an aha type thing, is college hockey is for the most part played by by hockey-only conferences other than the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is still a relatively newcomer. So there was really no organization out there that was telling the collective voice of college hockey. I mean, you certainly would have a conference telling all the good things about their conference, but there was no organization out there talking on behalf of, uh, of all, you know, currently now 62 programs, 60, uh, 63 next year when Augustana joins us. There was nobody uniting all those stories and telling those programs and doing, I think, what we're doing tonight, which is talking about college hockey as a whole. So that's another big part of what we do. And then I would say the third piece, and probably the piece that gets the most attention, is trying to find other schools to add college hockey. We've already talked about two of them. We worked with Arizona State 
uh, about eight years ago when they started the process. And then we worked with Lindenwood, uh, which started the process actually five years ago. And it took a little while for it to happen. And we work with other schools and um, trying to grow college hockey. And I would even add to that, trying to make sure that we don't shrink, first of all, because there are some sports out there that didn't have an advocacy organization like College Hockey Inc. And next thing you know, this school dropped that sport, that school dropped the sport, and suddenly it's a bit of a trend to have schools dropping those sports. One, we want to make sure that doesn't happen with our sport, and then two, we want to add programs while maintaining the many wonderful programs that we already have. So I would say those are the three key things of what we do for uh, for college hockey. Well, well, well Mike, I, I mean... First of all, uh, as 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 we know, there was a time where very few college players made the NHL. That is no longer the case. It's about a third now, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, last year we had more players than ever before in the history of uh, NHL hockey. Three hundred and forty-nine NHL alum, I'm sorry, NCAA alum played in the NHL. That's the most ever. And. And, and part of that is just the game has grown so much in the U.S. At one time, it was really just played in a couple of different areas, uh, the New England area, Minnesota, and then you know a little bit in Wisconsin, Michigan, and so on. But now it truly is border-to-border, coast-to-coast. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think 42 states have at least one player playing college hockey this year. Um, and so that, that's part of it. And, and in the U.S., you know, we are a collegiate sports culture. For good or for bad, I think mostly for good. But but we love our college sports in this country. And the reality is we're the only country that's that way. We're the only country where we have tied um, sports and, and athlete development to the school that you go to, whether it's collegiate athletics, high school athletics. Um, and so that's a bit of a, of a novel concept to countries that are the United States. So in football and basketball, sports that really grew up in the U.S., they evolved that way with college and high school playing such an important role in the the development of a player. Um, With sports that maybe didn't evolve as much in the United States or begin as much in the United States, obviously hockey's uh, rooted in Canada, um, it took upon the Canadian model uh, of, uh, you know, in the very beginning, which is more of a junior hockey model. So um, that's the reason for it. I don't think it's, it's more of a cultural thing than anybody really sitting down and deciding, well, like, this is better or that is better. But the outcome of that was a bit of a slow slowness to embrace just how good college hockey is. And there's still some of that out there. You know, there's still some of this old school thinking that you can't be a serious hockey player and, and go to college. Now, I think it's dropped dramatically. I, I've noticed it just in the time I've been with college hockey. And I think things like you just pointed out is that uh, most people realize there's more college hockey players in the NHL today than there was yesterday. And there's going to be more tomorrow than there are today. Mike, let me ask you, I, I told Paul we were going to save this to the end, but since you brought it up as your uh, third finger, if you will, of what you guys do, um, I was just out because, well, first of all, I'll tell you, our company started seven years ago with the goal of, and our motto was simply this, we cover the game to grow the game. So uh, we try to uh, put a spotlight on on all different areas. We have 14 uh, ACHA teams right now in our coverage area, seven NCAA and uh, 10 in the American Hockey League, which I think is a great role because we see a lot of NCAA guys 
move up into that position. And I love following those guys as well. So that's what we do. But um, so I was out uh, on my way to San Jose for the rookie faceoff tournament. And I stopped in San Diego because uh, I've been hearing rumblings about them. And I also heard they were going to ACHA D1. So I wanted to visit with them. And they were talking to me and showing me around the campus and all the great opportunities they had. And But we got to the end of it. And I said, you know, are you guys, uh, how close are you? And they said, well, we're, we'd like to think we're close. And I said, have you done a feasibility study? And they said, well, yeah, we, we want to do one, but the company we were talking to wants $20,000 for it, and we haven't been able to raise the money. And I said, what company was that? And they were telling me some name of a company, and I said, oh, okay. Have you uh, reached out to uh, College Hockey, Inc. yet? And they said, College Hockey, Inc., what's that? <laughs> so, so I quickly scolded them, Mike. I told them they need to get on the bandwagon here and, and get going. So uh, they told me that they were in the position of trying to do a feasibility study, as was Simon Fraser at the same time. Got any leads on those? <laughs> uh, well, I, I will say that unless a school has indicated that they want to be public about it, you know, Illinois is an example, they are public about it. I, I think Binghamton and Utica are certainly no longer secrets. Um, but some of the schools that we do work with, for very understandable reasons, want to, want to do it confidentially, or at least in the beginning, they want to be confidential. Um, so we respect that. So. Uh, unless it is a school that's already made it public on their end, we we don't talk about who we're working with. But um, um, we've got some we've got some handful of schools that we're we're talking with, and they're in a variety of different corners of the country. And uh, and if any of them were to were to happen, I think uh, it would it'd be great for college hockey, it'd be great for the sport in general. It would help us grow the game, and it would just be another school in what we want to create, which is a trend of growth amongst college hockey. And, I think we're on our way there with the number of schools that we've had. And even if you go back to Penn State, which we had nothing to do with Penn State, but if you go back to Penn State starting then, you know, that was 10 years ago now. Um, since Penn State added hockey, we've had, a, a, we've had a fair number of schools added, and they've been schools of different profiles. So we just want to continue to do that. Uh, but I, I can't really comment on, um, on uh, and either the two schools you mentioned or some of the other ones that we're working with, unfortunately. Well, then, Mike, I mean, as long as uh, like I was going to hit one of the other things first. But uh, as you said, this is the 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 most out there topic that you guys cover. OK. Um, and the growth, you mean the growth of who's going to add next. Type yes. Of thing? Yes. Yeah, Obviously, that's, that's what people want. Right. Gets um, like no other topic. <laughs> right now, for 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 those of us that don't really know the process, is the process for every school that you do a study for different, depending on uh, what they may or may not have to start with, or? Yes, absolutely. So in in the beginning, when we started this, when we formally started this project. Um, and we started with the NHL and the NHL Players Association and USA Hockey, basically the stakeholders that would benefit from the growth of our sport. Okay? And, and we spent a lot of time um, with the NHL, with the NHLPA, with USA Hockey and a few others and put together a strategic plan and then from that um, an action plan um, coming out of, out of the strategic plan to determine, you know, is this plausible, could it happen, but, but also like how do we make it happen? 
I think there's like 265 Division One athletics departments out there. Right. Um, how can we hone in on where it's most likely to happen? And so the number one thing that we determined was access to a facility because just the reality is an appropriate Division One hockey facility costs a lot of money. Um, and if, if a school doesn't already have access to an appropriate facility, that is an enormous hurdle, uh, that will just need to be addressed. Arizona addressed it. Um, um and so it can, Augustana is addressing it. And so it can be addressed. Um, but one of the things that made Binghamton pretty interesting in the beginning for us, and I would say what led to the contact was that they have access to an appropriate facility now that they didn't have up until a couple of years ago because they'd already had, they'd always had, I, and by they, I mean the community of Binghamton, they had had an American Hockey League team for years, I believe well over 30 years. And then this past winter was their first winter without an American Hockey League team. So suddenly they have a 5,000 seat building downtown, very close to campus. Um, and no longer do they have a, uh, a tenant in that building. And then no longer, are there 30 nights of hockey for the 4,500 fans in the community that were used to going to 30 nights of hockey? So it's like, that's one where, man, there's a lot of ingredients already there. That if, right. we can, if we can find the lead, a school with leadership that sees the potential and then has those things in place, that makes, makes a lot more likely to happen. So we had to identify the schools where, where they had access to a facility that was one and then and then another key piece was also are there any schools that we know of that have a somebody who perhaps has a passion for the school passion for the sport of hockey and some financial resources and are philanthropic and so perhaps that they would want to um you know get get, get the campaign started with a generous donation and that's clearly what happened in penn state that's what happened at Arizona State. But now we're having some success with other schools, and we don't always just measure success by did they add hockey. Right. Uh, we measure it by are, are we still talking with them? Is it still in, 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 in happening? Or even did, did they express some interest? Um, and um, and we found you know we found that that uh, we're having more and more interest at schools where it's not starting with a very generous person who's interested in writing a big check. Um, and I think that's a good thing because there are right. a very limited number of people with the potential and the desire to do that. Well, I, 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 I asked the question because first of all, I just, so you know, I am an Arizona state alum. Okay. I'm not the guy that wrote the big uh, check, hit, but. Hit each other this weekend, huh? <laughs> Yeah, but I came up not just top, be- Mike, so it's okay. Before <laughs> this weekend, Mike, way before this weekend. Um, um and 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 I sit here and and I look at and you know, I read the story, I assume there's a certain amount of truth to it that the the outgoing Atlantic Hockey Commissioner um was was asked about uh from those D2 schools what they should do and he had some advice for them. I've seen the stuff on Utica and um and uh, I've seen the stuff, unfortunately, on Huntsville, and I, I wish somebody would help them figure that story out. Uh, I understand the president's point. Well, you got to have a lead because we're not going to do this again. 
Um, and the other school that I wanted to ask you about, um, because they were public about it and it's, you know, and other than, you know, in, in about in a while ago, they came out and said, we're starting to fundraise was Tennessee state, uh, two completely different yeah. stories there. Uh, can you update us on any of those? Yeah, I can certainly update. Well, you know, Utica, um, had a lot of those ingredients, access to a facility. Great. Right. Uh, uh, got a great facility and a growing facility. I, I don't know how much you know about the, uh, not just the arena that's there where the Comets play, but they're they're building a three-sheet facility that will be attached to that. So it's going to be a spectacular ice complex. And they have tremendous fan support. Their Division Three team um, does very well fan-wise. I believe they average close to 2,000 fans a game, which is number one in Division Three. Right. And, um, and, then, and then they had, had interest, the school had interest elevating their entire athletics department from Division Three to Division Two. So when you do that, you then allow yourself the opportunity to play Division One hockey because there's not an NCAA championship offered at Division Two. So right. that's why Division Two schools can play hockey at Division One, but they, they can't play basketball at Division One or volleyball. Right. So Utica's uh, still, you know, um, and I can speak on their behalf. I think because they're very vocal and public about it. Very right. interested. Um, very committed. Wonderful leadership. Um, they have not let they have not let uh, hurdles that have popped up or just uh, derail their interest. And I'm betting on them. And I'm. Uh, very hopeful and excited that they do it because I think there's a lot of potential there and they would add a lot to college hockey. Tennessee State is such a wonderful project to be part of. Uh, It's an HBCU located right in the heart of Nashville. Currently, no HBCU has even club hockey. There's not even uh, an ACHA Division III program at any HBCU. And if we're going to be, you know, serious about doing our, our, our best to make sure that all people look at hockey and say, that sport looks like me, I want to play that sport, I want my kids to play that sport, these are the types of things we need to do. And so um, in a variety of different ways, the, the, the interest and tremendous support from the Predators, the interest and tremendous support from the NHL, College Hockey kind of knocking on some doors, and I, and I need to call out it. I'm probably too far into this conversation without calling him out yet, but friend <laughs> Kevin Westgarth, who is uh, VP at the NHL, and oversees a number of different things with the NHL, but one of them is his is he's our main liaison with College Hockey, um, Kevin and, and Bill Daly are, but Kevin and, uh, and I talk frequently. Kevin is as motivated and passionate about finding the next school to offer College Hockey, and Tennessee State really is inspiring to both of us. So it's really a privilege to work on that project. I don't want to comment too much on behalf of the school. We don't work for the right. school. You know, every school has their challenges. Um, but um, we would love to see any kind of hockey occur at Tennessee State. Ideally, they build a 4,000 seat on campus rink and they start women's and men's NCAA Division One hockey. That's ideal. But, right. you know, we would, we would consider it a huge success if – Let's let's add ACHA hockey for now, club hockey. Right. Let's add right. that, and um, and then and then grow that, you know, and, and provide that opportunity um, for hockey players that are, you know, that want to have a uh, collegiate hockey experience, and do it this way, and talk about growing the sport. And when we talk about growing college hockey, we we really talk about it growing it, meaning just literally growing it, increasing the numbers, and growing it, meaning the geographic footprint, finding Arizona states and schools like that. Um, but boy, 
the growth that we would get if Tennessee State added it would be, um, you know, would literally be as the best kind of growth I think that we could have. And and even I have found that um, you need some you need some pretty daring leaders. You know what Penn State did was pretty special, um, right? To, to go ahead and, and add hockey and add hockey at a school of that profile, it hadn't been done in a long time. And Penn State, you know, they, they kind of cleared the path a little bit for an Arizona State. Well, I can tell you now, showing the success Penn State's had in 10 years, showing the success that Arizona State's had now in, what is this, their seventh year? Um, and then and then even, you know, the blueprints for the building that's going to open and, and then being able to show what it's going to look like in that building here in a couple of weeks and all the videos and pictures we're going to have. That has helped us tremendously. It helped us with Illinois. It helped us with some of these other schools that we work with to see, like, you know, this school didn't have hockey. I mean, think about it. Penn State, Arizona State, 10 and 15 years ago, they didn't have hockey. And now they do. And it's very impactful to the school, to the alumni. Um, and, you know, now, I don't want to pretend it's football, okay? It's but not. Man, we it's know that. Hockey. You know? I mean, you go to Penn State on a Friday or Saturday in the winter, you feel the hockey. Um, and you're going to feel that now when you're on campus in Tem- at Tempe with their new building. Um, so so there is a, a bit of we need we need some daring leaders to do this. And and I, I'm just uh, – I admire the leadership, Dr. Mickey Allen, at, uh, at Tennessee State so much for even giving us a chance to – give them a sales pitch to be quite honest i mean we hear we hear no to just we don't even want to continue the conversation we hear that way i mean that's what we hear almost all the time all right <laughs> so you know if, you know if somebody's willing to like all right well i'll give you a meeting i mean that's kind of a win right there and, but then so we had that with dr allen and then he was like i can see that and you could just see it like on his face he saw the potential all sorts of questions all sorts of things that need to happen um, and so on. So it's it's not easy, and it's probably not even likely, um, but it's alive, and and it's partly because of the visionary leadership. But what what I look at it is, if we can just get them, and then they have success, and I'm convinced they will have success. You know, success in a relative way of measuring the success. Right. Now we have a story to take to all of the other HBCUs, and HBCUs are doing really well right now. And I think hockey could be another aspect that just adds another layer to how exciting it is to attend an HBCU. So we just need that one um, to, to kickstart this whole whole deal. And if we can get one, man, I, I think we can, we can get two. And if we can get two, we can get four. And if we can get four, we can get eight. And I'm talking about a long-term project here. This isn't a five-year deal. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I'm personally, I, I love doing this and I'm, I'm, uh, I want to see this through and, and, Honestly, it's just a privilege to be able to work on the, on the TSU project. Mike, let me ask you uh, a couple of things here. I know you got to go because you got some peewees waiting for you, but um, I stopped in. I've got some peewee parents waiting for <laughs> Oh, okay, stay away from. Stay no, no, no. No, stay away from those guys, Mike. I coach youth hockey. Uh, stay away from them if you can. Uh, they're, no, no, no. Okay. no. Okay, let me get to this this uh, comment first and then a question for you. Um the uh, had a chance at the NJEC this year to visit uh, Adrian College. I don't know if you've been over to Adrian College. I'm guessing you might have, but um, my first trip there, and Gary Astalis wasn't there, but he had his captain show me around. And I called him up after I'd done some footage and stuff, and I said, Gary, you mind if I call this? If there's a will, there's a way. 
And he goes, no, I think that's great because seven college hockey teams, four figure skating programs in one building, one ice sheet, and they run it from 6 a.m. till midnight during college days. So I came away from that, Mike, by saying, if anybody ever tells me this isn't possible, I'm going to send them right directly to Adrian because it is possible. 2,200 students on campus, seven teams. If you do the math, that tells you um, a good share of their students play hockey. <laughs> I would even go a step further, and I think the, uh, the the organizations in our country best suited to own an ice arena as a college because they can leverage the heck out of hockey to increase their enrollment, um, both through NCAA hockey and club hockey and intramural hockey and so on. Um, and then, but then a lot of that, whether it's intramurals, but more and more like even club hockey, they don't skate at six thirty. Okay, so. You can fill a lot of your ice needs, school ice needs, in non-peak hours and then have the peak hours open and use that to offer and grow youth hockey in those communities. So strategically, I do think um, collegiately owned arenas are the best suited arenas that make the most efficient use of their ice. And just given that how many people in our country play hockey today, and let's also be truthful about it, how much they're investing in it financially, time-wise, personal identity. A lot of them want there to be an outcome from it, right? And uh, and they want to have a great experience. They want to have that ending, I guess. And everybody that you talk to that plays, whether it's Division three or ACHA hockey, it doesn't necessarily matter what level of ACHA hockey, it's, it's generally a great experience. It's frequently the most fun they ever have playing the sport. And for a lot of players, that's it. After that, it's it's adult hockey and, and coaching and so on. It's just a great way to wrap up your youth hockey uh, career. So as, as much as ACHA club hockey has grown in the past 10 to 20 years, I still think there's a lot more growth potential to it. And if you hired me at a school to oversee enrollment, one thing I would do is follow the Adrian model and build a rink, program the rink, and then leverage all those, so as you said, seven hockey programs there. I think it's D3 men, D3 women, two ACHA women, and three ACHA men, right? Did yep. I get that right? You got that right. Yep. It's, yeah. uh, yep. it's fantastic. Yep. If you go to those seven rosters of hockey players, so it, however many people that is, <laughs> I mean, that's probably close to 180, 190 students. Um, I have to believe that a high percentage of those students, if you said, what's the number one reason you came to Adrian? Um, they, the hockey would be, if not number one, near the top of the list for the reasons why they chose that school. Okay, you know what's going on this week out in Colorado or this weekend? It's the icebreaker. Uh, I know Jason's coming out. I don't know if you're coming out or not. but yeah, I am coming out. Yeah. Okay, oh, awesome. Nice. Well, then I'll, I'll get a chance to visit with you maybe while you're here. But um, tell us about the icebreaker. It's, it's exciting because – if I'm not mistaken, this is the first year that we've had a split uh, location, right? That's right. Yeah, the icebreaker had always been a start of the season event. started in the 90s, I think 1996. I don't have that in front of me, though. But um, So it's been happening for 26 or 27 seasons. Um, it's uh, I won't go into too many of the boring details, but it's, they're exempt games. So if you play it, you play in it, you're, you're, it doesn't count towards your max 34 games. So you basically get to play extra games. The games count. They count towards your pairwise. They're non-conference games. They count in that regard. They're just extra games. And um, and so then we 
for lack of a better term, it's probably not the right term, but we own the tournament. So it goes out to bid and then a host bids on it. And then the, um, the revenue goes to fund a number of different, um, what I would call college hockey beneficial things, the, act, the activities of the commissioners and the things that they need to do to ensure the game's healthy and growing, but also activities of college hockey. Um, so it's important to us from a financial standpoint. So that's, that's why the tournament exists. Um, but it had always been a single host tournament. So last year it was hosted in, um, it was hosted by Holy Cross. Uh, the year prior was hosted by Duluth. Now, uh, both tournaments actually occurred last year. Just two years ago, they had to postpone the Duluth tournament because of COVID. But um, but it's been a single hosted tournament like that. And it's, and it's a traditional tournament. Friday, you have a game at three and a game at seven. And the next day, you have third place game championship game, and, and that's your tournament. And what we found, and we were honest with ourselves, is the um, the host team games. So when Holy Cross played, that their games had a real nice attendance and really collegiate feeling but the games that the host didn't play in um frequently not always frequently had an atmosphere that i would say we were not it wasn't collegiate it wasn't what college hockey was meant to be so that was something and then the other piece was with one school hosting it it's a lot more expensive because you're working with three schools, you're paying the entire hosting fee, all of the aspects that go with that. If you could split that into two, then obviously you do the math, everything cuts in two. So it, it makes it opens up the opportunity for more schools to um, to consider hosting the tournament. So so Air Force and Denver combined forces, um, and um, no pun intended, and they. Um, <laughs> They are the first time that we'll have a co-hosted tournament. So Air Force hosts Maine on Friday and, and uh, Notre Dame on Saturday. And then Denver hosts Notre Dame on Friday and, and um, Maine on Saturday. And we've got this crazy tiebreaker system that's come up that I'm hoping doesn't get put into place. That all teams <laughs> finish one and one. But it could happen, okay? Um, so... Um, you know, so I guess if there's a negative, it's that we're not going to have a true championship game. That's, I mean, we could if, if the two teams that win Friday play each other Saturday, then we do. But we might not have that. But what we are going to have, we're going to have four great college hockey games with packed buildings and atmospheres that we want our student athletes playing in front of and that we want our, our fans uh, experiencing. So, um, so that's, I'm very excited to experience our first co hosted icebreaker this year. Okay, so let me tell you this real quickly. I'm going to, first of all, drive up and down I-25 with big billboards on my vehicle, letting everybody know about it because I need to be there. <laughs> Secondly is, um, I, I guess I knew this and I've forgotten about it, but uh, the event is to uh, bring in four different conferences, correct? And uh, a lot of people ask me, they say, well, why, why was the CC involved? And I'm going like, well, if CC was involved, Denver would be out. If Denver's involved, CC's out, at least for this year, correct? That's correct. Although we do have a rule that if two teams from the same conference can co-host, just to encourage. Okay. You know, we want to encourage things like, like Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan, or like St. Lawrence and Clarkson. That's what we want to encourage. You know, it would be really hard for Clarkson to host this tournament by themselves, but it's very doable for Clarkson and St. Lawrence to host this tournament. And if we could have an icebreaker uh, hosted, co-hosted by Clarkson and St. Lawrence, I think that would be out of this world. And, and so that's what we're trying to um, to see happen. And I'm not, I mean, and there are plenty of other ones too that I think would be out of this world. That was just the one that popped into my head. 
Okay, so two uh, things I got to So wait, wait, I want to cause you, trouble you get, here. Oh, no, you get one. You get one. Just a second. Um, I got to tell you that it probably wasn't hard to get Frank Saratori involved because he reminded me very quickly that they won one. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, David Carl, when I asked him about it, it didn't take him very long to say, I'll take the extra two games. <laughs> exactly. That, well, that, that's such that's such the selling point is that you get two extra games if you, yeah. you know, host or compete in it. So, so every school wants to do it. Every school wants to be in it. And we just need to make sure that we are, you know, we're spreading it around. We want this to be a celebration of college hockey. We want as many different places to be able to host it. And it also allows um, an opportunity for schools to, to play schools that they don't frequently play and go to places they don't either frequently or ever go to. So, um, so that all sorts of benefits like that. To it. Okay. Paul gets the last word and we'll let you go on that. Thanks so much, Mike. Okay, Mike. So I, I have a question. I have, I have two, two, a two part question. One you're going to answer and one you're not, cause it's going <laughs> it, it, it'll cause trouble. Um, <laughs> So what you're saying is maybe in the future we could have a co-hosting between my alma mater and say UNLV, um, <laughs> but uh, well, that, that's um, I guess if we're doing our job. Then, <laughs> so, um, but skating rebel hockey would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that right. I mean, I always say this. I want to rephrase that. Skating rebel or UNLV hockey already is really cool. UNLV NCAA hockey would also be cool. So, I mean, I have a wonderful appreciation for ACHA hockey. And, um, and, and so I, I don't want to, I, I didn't mean to imply there that UNLV didn't already have hockey. I know they have hockey and I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we get it. Um, and, 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 the, and the, the more serious question, um, the uniqueness of college hockey is that the smaller schools can compete with the with the bigger schools when you get these inquiries and so forth and so on what would you say the percentage is uh bigger school versus smaller school oh how many of the bigger schools are interested how many of the smaller schools yeah, well, like, what's kind of the ratio between smaller schools that 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 ask you guys to look into things? And I guess I haven't done it, but in, in my head, just doing the quick math here, I would say it's probably the ratio of what it is in reality. You know, there's okay. Again, I forget the number. Two hundred eighty schools that are Division One schools, and fifty-five of them, I believe, are Power Five, and then the other two hundred plus are non-Power Five. Right. And we have probably, well. Clearly, Arizona State. We've talked to right. Illinois. We talked to, and then I mean, I've got two other Power Five, so um, it feels probably like two to one in terms of non-Power Five okay. versus Power Five schools. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and I think you're right. I think that a Power Five school sees this as in a very impactful sport on their campus, and and by by going off of what. You see it at Arizona State, and then what you're about to see when they open their building, what you've seen at Penn State. Not to mention the other Power Five schools that have had hockey for quite a while, and it's impactful. Um, but then conversely, um, like a Binghamton, you know, not that Binghamton can't win a championship in their other sports. Right. I'm sure they certainly can. But I, but but schools like Binghamton, they're the ones doing doing you know winning championships right now in college hockey. It's pretty, it is pretty impressive. I think of, of what I what. Of all the examples, I think, of what you just brought up there and what I'm trying to say, 
and what makes hockey unique is the 2018 Frozen Four at St. Paul featured three of what I would say the three of the ten biggest brands, maybe even five biggest brands in college in college athletics: Ohio State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Those were three of the four participating schools in the Frozen Four. The other participating school was Minnesota Duluth. And there probably aren't many occurrences of when those four schools will be mentioned together, okay? And Minnesota Duluth won it. Right. And it was not an upset. It, it was not <laughs> a, a Chicago Loyola type thing, you know? That's, that happens with frequency in college hockey. Right. And I, I, I personally love that. And right, I, which is kind of why I asked the question. I love that aspect of it, you know. Um, that I mean, the, the, the big, the big powerful schools are big and powerful and do really well. But you know, they might lose the union, and nobody's going to sit there and say it was an upset because union was awesome. Yeah. Mike, uh, 20, Mike, the check is yeah, the check is in the mail for that nice uh, UMD plug. I'll uh, <sighs> I'll remind Scott to make sure he cuts one too. <laughs> stuff and I, I'm going to apologize for my uh, co-host because he didn't really want to say UNLV. He wanted to say he wanted to see an icebreaker between Arizona State and Arizona in the future. What? <laughs> Who? I don't mention that school. I don't talk about that. <laughs> I'm good with all of it. <laughs> I hear you. Mike Smith, Mike Smith, the executive director of the uh, of College Hockey Inc. Thanks so much for taking some time. Go take care of those peewee parents, Mike. And stop and say hello to me. I'll see you this weekend. Okay. I'll look for you. All right. Bye-bye. That is uh, Mike Sneed, the executive director of uh, College Hockey Inc. We're going to take one quick break, and we'll come back and wrap up another episode of College Hockey West Live. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at behindthemask.com.
player in the desert southwest. And they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Question? Comment? Let us hear from you on our text message line at 303-943-3772. College Hockey West Live is coming to you from the Summer Skates Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. Well, indeed it is. The uh, College Hockey West Live from the Summer Skates Studios. Scott Strandy with you in Denver, Colorado. Of course, we're running late, but what great conversation. We could have kept Mike on for at least another hour and uh, maybe not got to everything in that time frame as well. So we definitely appreciate him coming on. Uh, Paul Hornstein, my longtime co-host on Long Island, New York. Paul, you got a couple minutes to uh, give us some thoughts on what you heard from Mike. Well, I, I think it's, it's, you know, he gave us as much as he possibly could. Right. We all we all you know, we didn't quite get to, to conference stuff, but uh, we all want to know who's next. Right. And then we want before we even find out who's next, we want to know who's after that. <laughs> uh, I like the best part of it is he said, I can't comment on it, but you guys can speculate all you want. Well, <laughs> and that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do best. We, I, we well, yeah, I mean, we speculate. I mean, because, well, well we do more than speculate where. We, we dig, uh, we dig and, and talk to sources and talk to people that are in the know and um, it doesn't always happen, but for no. the most part, if you get good sources and talk to good people, you'll get good answers. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like I said, and, and we knew that there were going to be places that he couldn't comment on, but we had to ask, right? Like like he, he said it himself, he admitted it himself, that's the number one thing they get asked about. Oh, of course, and you know, the other yeah. thing was, you know, look at and I'm so proud, and you've said this before, uh, I'm so proud of Lindenwood and what they've done because if you remember, nobody except me believed that they were going to try to go NCAA after the ACHA tournament. And I told anybody that would listen, and nobody wanted to listen, that they were going to do it. And now not only did they struggle through a late entry into NCAA hockey and a very tough schedule, the toughest in college hockey in my book, and uh, they took it on the road. They looked professional. They played professional. They acted professional. And they darn near uh, got a split with the number two team in the country. Well, here's the thing, though, Scott. Uh, I, I understand your point about no one wanting to listen to you. It has nothing to do with Lindenwood. <laughs> uh, yeah, frankly, just be muted all the time. Well, see, I, <laughs> I, I'm just letting you understand the, the reality of things. But... <laughs> Um, you know, it, 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 it's like I said, we, like I said, we knew he was going to comment on certain things because 
there were certain things that were public and things that were not public. We wouldn't expect him to, 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 to speak on. We have our ideas, right? I mean, he's talking about, he did say all four corners of the country, right? He did say that. So, I mean, hello, Georgia. Well, yeah, basically, (laughs) I mean, uh, coach Campy, if you're listening, we love you. And we know that, you know, like I said, we wouldn't expect him to, 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 to open up in public if a school doesn't want him to. Oh, of course not. Couldn't right. do that. Um, and, you know, we used basically examples that we knew were public. But, you know, once again, that's only one of the four corners. Yep. Well, we uh, we can all speculate. We'll continue to do that. We're in, yes. the, we're in the same boat. College Hockey Inc. and ourselves, uh, we do it differently. But we're in the same boat. We're both uh, in this to uh, grow the game of hockey. And, uh, you know, my, my goal was to do it through coverage and features and, and things like that. And obviously their job is to assist in any way they possibly can to add new programs and get more players. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really have a chance to talk about that, but they do a tremendous job with educating um, high school players on the benefits of being a college hockey player, especially in the NCAA. Well, so, listen, I mean uh... – yeah, I mean, uh, as thirty-five percent of the NHL is college hockey players. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, you can can you get a better uh, talking point than that? No, I don't think so. And and, and that's a that's know, a full third. Yeah, but in and he's talking about the the benefits of being a college hockey player. Even if you don't go to the NHL or the AHL right. or you don't make a career out of it, it gets you a free education or a reduced cost education. So, I mean, there's so many benefits. And it's not only that, but it teaches you life skills. I'll, I'll put hockey players up against any other sport as far as people that can function in, in the real world when they leave college. I mean, these guys are well-spoken. They know how to interact with people. They know how to team build. Just go ask any big company, Paul, or any school district, in your case, uh, how important it is to have people that know how to interact with other people. If you yeah, can't do I mean, it, man, you're not you, you're not going to succeed. So that, that's another life usually. skill that people are getting, and that's why the word cohesiveness is my word of the year. Okay. But that, well, you had me <laughs> until that last part. <sighs> <laughs> all right we're running out of time take it away from the summer skate studios behind the mask college hockey west live is brought to you by at&t wireless where unlimited your way lets you choose the right plan for each member of your family behind the mask whether you use blades or wheels whatever your hockey needs are see our three valley locations or behind the mask.com peterson toyota whether you're looking for your dream car or shopping on a budget we take the time to find the perfect toyota to fit your needs Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style. Now at our two locations, the original at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard and the new location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. For the NCHC and NCHC.TV, subscribe to NCHC.TV and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Drurians and Suites, an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay now at DruryHotels.com. Jets Pizza. Go to JetsPizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Top Golf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to TopGolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos Worldwide. It's where the action is. 
in the resort or in town. Liberty University, hockey, education, and faith with equal passion at liberty.edu. Buy M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com to see which M-Drive formula is for you. College Hockey West Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at the iTunes Store, Google Play Store, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe and review ITHSW podcasts, all one word. Behind the Mask College Hockey West Live and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. I left you speechless, didn't I? Well, hold on. Hold on. I said what? I want to leave. Uh, I was on mute. <laughs> well, some of the thank, greatest. Oh, see, ever, that's right? better. Okay. I just, I, I thought I left you speechless. I didn't no. realize you were on mute. Good for no, you. I, I just want to throw this out real quickly because you sent me a, a Twitter uh, post just before the show started. I didn't have a chance right. to really get into it, but there were some hurtful things in there. Um, you know, uh, they were talking about the Coyotes players maybe not being happy with the facility at Arizona State. And I just want to stand up for your alma mater and head coach Greg Powers and let everybody know out there, please do not take this as a knock against Arizona State. That no. facility is a beautiful college facility. It was designed for college. It has nothing, nothing, nothing at all to do with Arizona State. And the first person to tell me that, I'm going to jump all over them because uh, Arizona State has done everything to put together a first-class NCAA um, facility. And uh, if a professional team comes in and they're not happy, that is not on ASU. And please, no. please, please leave that out of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. And I agree with you, and, and I'm sure I'm going to spend all next weekend talking about it. I'm going to, I know what I'm going to hear is that people are going to say, yeah, well, that facility can't be that great. And I'm going to tell them uh, horse hockey. It's a beautiful college facility. It was not made to add a professional team no. at the last moment. No. So uh, that's not what it was built for. And kudos to ASU and for Greg Powers to get it done. So um, if I ever hear that comment, just know you're going to get blasted back from me. All right. That's uh, how we're going to end it tonight. We'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemaker, De Niro.